So what's it been, Sam? Five, six years since you even won a race? It's been a long time since you were somebody. Don't push it, Jack. Put him. Hey, don't take my word for it. Ask your son. I told him not to push. I want to win races. I want to be a champion, but that's something I'll never be racing for my dad. I just don't know what to do about him. You guys will figure it out. You got a whole bunch of talent, son. Come on up and talk to me. That was on your mind. Accepted an offer from Bobulinski. I'm not going to race for you anymore. Blinsky, he's a snake. You get involved with the likes of him, and I guarantee you'll get hurt. Championship means more than your father. Cam and Rowe in the lead with a new car on a new crew. Dirty damn shame. I got an idea. Why don't you and me go race? Seems to have shaken off the cobwebs. Sam, would you blow that loser, Bob Lenski, right off the track? <laughs> yeah, for a fan. Want to win that championship? I don't want to win it from you. Let me tell you something. No half-assed measure. We'll do it right. Stumpy, you are out of your mind. <laughs> okay, well, hey, everyone. Welcome to headquarters of Team Hoax. I'm the starting shortstop for Team Hoax, Tommy2 underscore zero, and you are listening to Tell Me Where to Turn, episode 151. Mm, very nice. Same forward as it is backwards. The palindrome. That's right. Tommy, you're familiar with this term. I am. It's not as contagious as the flu, but I am familiar with it. Nice. Who are you? Me? I'm uh, Glenn. You can find me at Glenn 3 underscore 11. And uh, you can find me at point break underscore Dave. Well, how are you gentlemen do- doing this fine covid free evening uh, i think i think the arrow is uh think things are things are positive things are trending nicely you know we're still here we've got our health that's where we always start that is where we always start have you been to the gym yet glenn i have not so so two of us have our health and one of us we're not so sure about what about your gains brah uh, well, I'm definitely over the 10-pound uh, mark in weight lost since mid-March, but um, we're still doing okay. I don't think I've really lost that much, you know, and the overall, you know, if I had to go max today, I think I'd still be okay with the results, but there's uh, the gym that's closest to me hasn't reopened yet, and then... Really? Yeah, there is one that's like 10, 15 minutes away um, that has reopened. I haven't made my way over there. I'm a little bit leery of the how they're managing capacity 
at these things. Just you sign up on the app and reserve a time at the gym. But then I look at it and I see, okay, here's the time interval that starts 45 minutes from now. And you've got one in Richardson and McKinney and Louisville and Rockwall. And they all have the exact same number of available spots. How is that humanly possible? I feel like they're just letting anybody sign up. So and it's a placebo app is what you're saying? Exact, yes. <laughs> There's they're no all data source it's connected to. It's they've Somebody just built an app that just shows the same availability for every location? Yeah. It's kind of genius marketing. They're, they're just letting anyone in. All they're doing is setting up like... You just reserve the time. It's kind of a, it works as crowd control, and you can use your phone to check in. You can just do the no touch, you know, whatever access. You just walk in, show your thing on your phone, and they wave you right in. I assume, but no, I have not. I have not been yet. Um, I you know, it, this was a week I decided I wasn't going to go. So we'll see as June progresses. Well, here in Tennessee, they have now waived the maximum capacity restrictions and restaurants and businesses are allowed to operate at any capacity that they so choose. Indoor as well? Yes, as long as social distancing is adhered to. So I think for restaurants, that's kind of the catch-22 is you still have to have the tables far enough apart. Yeah. I went into a Buffalo Wild Wings last week, and it was I, th- I think it was that they were playing. They were doing some kind of a bit. They, they had like five tables in the whole restaurant as far apart as you could possibly imagine. <laughs> we uh on there well funny like our our gym here and let me say this they are doing a good job they have a lot of people walking around cleaning stuff off but no kind of limit on people in there they've even opened up the uh outdoor pool which uh we've been frequenting good times but went out with the wife uh last weekend I don't know if we've ever mentioned this. It's important to always date your wife. That's we interesting. We should we should talk that? about that more sometime on another show. Yeah, Probably keeps should. everything very new, you know, very fresh. Using but different names <laughs> might help. We went out to a a nice a nice dinner, and I'm guessing they were somewhere doing i don't know if it was 50 percent or 25 percent capacity but they had a lot of tables you know it was actually funny they had the uh you know i forget what color it was but the tables where they could seat people had the normal white tablecloth and then they had a different color table cloth on all the others is it a color you're nicely you're just our next topic yeah a color you're just not comfortable saying right now it may. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but does that color matter? Something. Is the real question. They're onto something. It was really nice not having anyone like within, you know, a thirty foot radius of you. It was great. Just have your own little private room. Not bad. No, I'm enjoying so, the lowered capacity in general. Oh yeah, I mean the the less contact with other, other human beings the better oh are you gosh, okay i just died are you all right <laughs> wow yeah. i think i think you just almost lost me so speaking of capacity that's not lowered let's transition into the next topic glenn wanted to sign the screen i believe yeah uh a lot has happened since we last recorded two weeks ago if you've uh have you seen the news have you seen the protests 
Oh, I thought um, you, I thought you were talking about the BS win Brad Keselowski pulled out at Bristol, but that's not what we're talking about. No, that's the second one he's gotten since they resumed racing, where he's just kind of hanging out and he's like, "Oh, hey, I thought if somebody else was supposed to win this race." But no, and um, you know, a lot has been uh, going on, a lot of heated discussions going on on social media these days, and I, you know, I've even had, I wouldn't say heated, but kind of uh, intense discussions with a circle of friends on Uh-oh. the recent societal developments and how the public has reacted. And, you know, you kind of think, uh, you think you're all on the exact same page and then you find out, wait a second, we've got a couple of outliers here, but, uh, you know, in the end, I think, uh, we're good. There was no, you know, nobody's like not speaking to each other anymore. You know, there's no, no, do I need to go back and revisit your timeline? Because I did the very courageous thing during this whole, and I just deleted the Facebook app off my phone entirely. Oh, this was all through just text. Where anything I was in that got any kind of, uh, I wouldn't even say heated. It was just in in detail. Was that discussion. that group text that I was on with you where you had asked if anybody could help you load a pallet of bricks into the back of your truck? <laughs> when I helped, can you help me move several pallets of bricks? No. Well, so I have, hold on real quick. From what I've seen on social media, if, like you said, you ended this discussion with everyone still being friends, I don't think you did it right. Because I think all of these are supposed to end with people declaring they hate each other and will never speak again. Yeah, that's a little disconcerting. I'm not the biggest fan of the, uh, if you are this, then you know, never talk to me again <laughs> type of thing. I was like, that is that is the best thing to progress and you know find commonality and be better as a society is to say let's none of us talk to each other ever again that's a that's a good step so but i have a very quick uh this is just this is easy i wouldn't even say this is a quiz it's a little game i like to call for or against okay Okay. so we have uh four topics here um increasing in importance and you're going to say whether you're for against these okay and we'll have first round we'll have tommy go first okay okay the first one for or against police brutality for or against and i don't get to ask any qualifying questions (laughs) no it's uh you have two options here i feel like i'm being tricked but i'm gonna say against okay dave i will also say against okay uh, second one. Well, wait a minute. Did they deserve it? <laughs> I think brutality implies that it was excessive. Okay. And there are no questions here. Uh, the second one. Um, rioting, destruction of public property or private property, for or against? I am against that. Yes, I am against destruction. Okay. Third one. We're zipping through this. Tommy first, systemic racism, for or against? It's a long pause. Wait, is this, am I going first or is this? Yeah, you're going first. So am I against systemic racism or is this all racism? (laughs) Is that the the trick question? (laughs) Your answers are for or against. I am against systemic racism. 
Okay. I am also against it. Okay, final one. And maybe our toughest. Are you ready? Dave has left the screen. Oh, he's <laughs> I'm back. ready. He's going Sorry. first, okay? All right. Seamus, for or against? I am always for Seamus, unless he did something in like the last day that I'm unaware of. He didn't, as long as he hasn't joined the Forgotten Sons, I am also pro Seamus. He's from Nashville. I have to support Seamus. He also supports Athlean X, who I'm a huge fan of. Okay. Now, if we uh, transition to very one to two minute wrestling talk and Jackson Riker <laughs> of the Forgotten Sons, who uh, ultimately their their push is probably over and he might be out of the WWE soon. Unless this is an angle. Uh, maybe so. Um, but basically, you know, tweet and support of Trump, which can be very controversial in many, you know, parts of the population. But he also included whatever their tagline is. Yeah, forgotten forgot no more. Forgotten no more. Did you see Kevin Owens' response to that? Well, I yeah, that basically it was. I don't remember exactly what he said, but it 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 was essentially saying, "I can't believe you used your stupid wrestling tagline in a political tweet." <laughs> yeah, he said, he's like, you have the right to say what you want, and I'm not, you know, taking that away from you, and this is not what this is about, but the fact that you worked in your stupid-ass wrestling wrestling slogan is pathetic. And I do support KO on that point. Yeah. But I'm just going to just allow your mind to expand a little bit, and what if this is the greatest angle? Uh, you know, Because, you know, we were talking about getting heat... That that would get you some heat. He's already being referred to as Jackson the Third Riker. (laughs) Just keep in mind, this is the same company who last Friday did a Jeff Hardy was driving intoxicated and ran over Elias angle. Well, so why find out? Why would they not try this? I think we're going to find out that something else led to that, and Sheamus is probably responsible for it. Yeah. So let's get back to the question here. Why did we reference Seamus in all this? I have no idea. <laughs> He's the <laughs> whitest person on earth. He's Irish or Celtic or whatever he goes by. <laughs> He's the Celtic warrior. Yes. He is the Celtic warrior. All right, that's the end of for and against. You both won, so you get to split the money even. Hold on. So it's actually possible to have all those answers? I thought it wasn't possible. I've seen the Venn diagram where there's a circle in the middle that says me on it. So yeah, I think you're, I think you're good. Yeah. And next week I want to review your, all of your texts because I'm very interested to know the Glenn 311 position on all this. (laughs) Okay. Because apparently there's a few things you can't say right now. And I am curious if you said any of those things. I don't know if you're getting all that, but, you know, I'm sure you have a lawyer. You can send me. I can be served with papers, subpoenaed, if you will. Well, before we get to the uh, matter at hand, I have a disclosure to share with you, gentlemen. I I have shot the lowest round of golf ever achieved by one Tommy 2 underscore zero. 
And I want to be very clear before I disclose further. This was a real round of golf. This wasn't, oh, hey, we're going to play grab ass and hit two tee shots and we're not going to worry about this mulligan here or there. This is real, honest to goodness, by the PGA rules golf. This is all course rules and golf rules adhered to. And your your co-host here fired a 77 on Saturday. You should let Sturm know about that. That's impressive. I believe that would be in the course in the case of the place that I played a 5 over par round. Wow. Pretty good. Pretty good little uh you know, just considering where you started, you know. Which was playing the lakes course at Firewheel and shooting a 131 and right. losing an entire box of Strixon balls that I bought before the round started. Yeah, it looked like it was uh, uh, your make-a-wish was being granted or something <laughs> out there. Well, that was the day that we played with <laughs> the guy that asked to play with us, but he like didn't have any golf balls. Well, that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And he would just go hunt around in the bushes for yeah. golf balls. Wow. But he said he was a golf coach. Uh, that guy was that guy was not a golf coach. That was an odd. That was an odd day. Nice guy, but the first time he hit a ball out onto whatever it was, you know, Shiloh Road, he runs across four lanes of traffic to drag down a golf ball. Like man, that's a bit, that's a bit much. But congrats on your seventy-seven, because that is, that's uh, that's one percenter percenter stuff for sure. Thank you, I appreciate it. Is the senior tour a possibility? Oh, the Corn Ferry Tour is a possibility at this point. Forget about wow. the senior tour. Wow. Yeah. Just need to shave a couple more strokes off. Couple more and shave a few other things, and then we're all set. <laughs> yeah, yeah, corn fairy. Yeah, yeah, I didn't say it. Well, it's just their sponsor. So, since we're a movie review podcast, obviously, <laughs> we've got a doozy for your, for our audience tonight. So, you don't know this, but when you listen to the episode, you will. The full trailer ha- has already been played. <laughs> And let me tell you something. After watching the movie and then watching the trailer, the trailer is the movie. Yeah. The I other, that. other hour and 25 minutes are completely unnecessary. So that's very fair because I know Dave, uh, before we get into anything, uh, Dave didn't watch the movie till today. And he, you know, it's like uh, one, two o'clock this afternoon. He's like, okay, well, I guess I got to watch this thing between now and when we record tonight. And Tommy's like, don't worry about it. It's only an hour and 27 minutes long. And my thought was, yeah, and there's really only about a minute and 27 <laughs> seconds of content. So, but, it, you know, last time we uh, did a No Holds Barred, last movie we, t- we reviewed. And, um, you know, our whole thing was at the beginning of the episode, we were like, hey, we definitely at this point, stop the episode, put in the movie and watch it <laughs> because it's going to enhance the experience. I don't really think anybody needs to do that unless they just want to. No. I, no. I Even if you want just... to find something else and watch that, you'll be you'll be much happier with the time invested there. Yeah, because this. Well, let's let's just get into it because I was going to say. That, go, go ahead. 
no, no, I was you... gonna say as a as a starting point, like how I think this was a Glenn choice, right? Oh yeah, I'm always. I want to I want to hear how you became aware of this movie because I watched it like I just uh you know pulled up Amazon Prime. It was already there because Tommy's squatting <laughs> my account. You're welcome. <laughs> started watching it and you know I I, I watched. I think I had like 20 minutes left that I just, I watched the first hour or so on my own and then put the kids to bed tonight and I was flipping it on and told the wife, I was like, yeah, I got to watch the last 20 minutes. And she's like asking me about the movie. She's like, well, when was it made? I was like, I have no idea. I was like, Travolta seems old, but it could be like a movie that was made 15 years ago. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It was made last year. Yeah, it was, was released in year. 2019. And fun fact, it made less money at the box office than No Holds Barred, and that's not adjusted for inflation. What so I this saw went to theaters. Well, the gross revenue in the U.S. I saw on Wikipedia was zero, <laughs> and then it made uh, in U.S. the U.S., Canada, and Puerto Rico. It made zero dollars, and in other territories, it made like sixty-eight hundred dollars. This so, is like they th- sent it to the Philippines or something. This is what wow. you would call an abject failure of a movie. This is the movie equivalent of like the championship t-shirt for the team that loses that people in <laughs> Haiti are wearing. You like, could, this is the movie version of that. You could set up a tripod at Devil's Bowl any night <laughs> and let it run for an hour and 20 minutes and have a better movie than this movie. Yeah. And you just set the tripod up pointed at the trough. And it would be better <laughs> than this. So, but if you, um, I haven't watched the trailer. Okay, let's get, because your question was how I became aware of this movie. Okay. So probably the end of last year. Yeah, I think it was the end of last year when I was out at my parents' house race weekend. Um, my mom had suggested this movie because, well, she hadn't seen it but she had just found it on her Amazon Prime account. And basically, she went on and just searched for movies or shows that are about dirt track racing. And this popped up. And this and is on, like, the big, fifth page of results of that? Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, she sees, you know, you see the, you know, the poster, whatever, and it's got Travolta and Shania Twain. I mean, she's like, absolutely, <laughs> we, we've got to watch this. So it was late one night, and she started watching it, and I just didn't have it in me to stay up for an hour and a half of anything. But I watched, I think, maybe the first 15 minutes of it, and I was like, this is really bad, and we at some point in time have to watch it. So like six, (laughs) seven months later, here we are. But I haven't, I hadn't looked at it for one second until, you know, I watched it earlier this week, so... That's how that's how we got to this point. Well, and how John Travolta got to this point has to do with some massage therapists and some poor choices that he made that essentially got him blackballed in Hollywood from doing any movies. Until one day they came calling with the script for trading paint. And it said, Hey, John, this could be your way to climb back on the horse or massage table. <laughs> so 
I, I would say we start out first thing in the movie is we are at uh, we're in Talladega, Alabama. Right, which the, I'm uh, already annoyed because it's yeah. it's like they did no research and they said what's the most generic racing city we can come up with and they just said oh well Talladega of course. Oh, definitely. It just makes no sense. I will say this. I will say other than there was definitely some unstableness, but just like especially in the beginning, it felt very dirt track. Like the the footage of them like the crowd and the I was like, "Oh, all right. They're, yeah, they're and doing the, this right." The ca- the cars, they I mean, they had the right cars on the right track. They were actually the racing scenes, they were actually the physics were correct. It was, you know, there was no uh, you know, wasn't clearly CGI'd out. So uh, yeah, I feel good about that. And the uh, the movie starts with uh, well, we'll go ahead and disclose that John Travolta's name is Sam, also known as Sam the Man, because they hired the only the finest script writers to come up with yeah. the characters in this movie. He's Sam Monroe, M U N R O E. I've never <laughs> seen that last name spelled like that. Well, you see it a lot in this movie on the side of many different modified late models. True. True. The description of the movie said that Sam was a retired stock car driver, so the whole movie I keep waiting for them to refer back to his NASCAR career. That never happens. Sam was just a local dirt track driver that had stopped racing. So (laughs) if you read the description and you're waiting for the scene where Jimmy Johnson or Kevin Harvick makes a cameo to talk about back in the day. That doesn't happen. Sam was yeah, just a dirt track driver. Kyle Larson type incident. And it would have made oh the my. script a lot better if we'd have well, had something like that. There was nothing ever referenced during the course of this movie to really explain much of anything. But still, the first like five-ish minutes, the first racing scene, like... Like Dave said, it's very dirt track. It's uh, generic announcers. Yep. You know, you hear the roar of the engines. There's super late models going around the track. Like I'm, I'm at least moderately entertained. We can see that. Uh, you know, Travolta's not driving, but clearly that's it's a son. Yeah. yeah. And, and they do explain that. Okay, he's out there, and then uh, what's his name? Leadfoot. Linsky. 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 Well, first, Linsky. if your if your name is Linsky. Sam and you have a son, you obviously name him Cam. Right. Okay. Because then so that that way, when you change car drivers, you'll have to change one letter on the decal, <laughs> which is good. Well, Cam looks to be quite the uh, prodigy behind the wheel. He's leading the race. They do this several times in the movie when they say the the white flag comes out, but the guy's clearly waving the checkered flag to indicate there's one lap to go. So that happened at the beginning and the end? Yes, this happens twice Uh, in the movie. The end is where they actually say it, though. Yeah, this time you just see the the guy. One lap to go, and I'm like, what? (laughs) You see the guy waving the checkered flag, indicating, like any racing fan knows, indicating one lap to go. (laughs) They're on a quarter-mile dirt track, which the average lap should just take a matter of seconds well cam starts to develop some smoke from the engine now any true racing fan would know that smoke coming up from the top of the engine you don't have to worry about that so much it's smoke coming out of the bottom you got to worry about he's got some light wisps of smoke coming uh out the top of the engine well suddenly the quarter mile dirt track becomes a six mile long (laughs) dirt track over 
like magically transforms during the course of this lap to where Cam's car trouble gets him all the way around the entire six-mile track, but still bad enough that the car comes to a complete stop before he can coast back to the finish line. Like causing the last him, turn, too. Yeah, causing him to finish in last place. So pe- clearly the car had no neutral, no momentum. <laughs> the track was made of glue. Yeah, and the whole deal was that him and, and Linsky, whoever wins this race is going to win the championship for the season. Right, and yes. which and it, we'll cover this in more detail, but the season continuity in this movie made zero sense. No, obviously not. <laughs> Including but, later in the movie when they have the awards banquet in the middle of the season before the championship <laughs> race. But anyways, continue. No, it, but and the whole thing is the, the car breaks down. And it's very disappointing for Cam, obviously. Cam could be a bit of a hothead. A little bit. Hold on. One thing I want to mention here. Well, first, before his engine blows up, did you guys notice, and this bothered me, because the rest of the racing, like we said, was pretty good. But there's a shot when Linsky's, like, obviously behind him. He's, you know, a car length back trying to pass. And Cam is like looking down and left, like he's looking at a side mirror to kind of block him. I was like, oh, guys. And then the last thing is they've made it clear it's the last race. And I found this phrasing funny. He's like, and Linsky clinches the championship. It's like, no, he won the championship. Like, I guess you could say it that way, but that seemed like a weird way to say it. When it was the absolute last yeah. race of the season. Yeah. Making it a little too complicated. And boy, what a tool this Linsky guy is. He's got this cowboy hat that he throws on and just so much cockiness. I, I read in a review that they said his the voice he was doing it sounded like he was gargling a bunch of razor blades. Yeah, and this is played by Michael Madsen, who I mean yeah. this guy this guy was in Reservoir Dogs. Like this is a legitimate actor. I think he was in Heat. I mean he's been yeah. Some serious so did you guys stuff. Notice... I always get him uh, confused with Tom Sizemore for some reason, but that's a just a tangent that we won't follow. And I know you referenced his voice, but I, one of the things I had in my notes is it's like they didn't have him mic like they forgot to mic him up for the whole movie because every time he's talking, you can't hear him, and it's not because of the accent; it's because there's no audible volume to his voice in the entire movie. Yeah, his voice is basically. You should just clear your throat for like five or six seconds at a time. Yeah. And that's his voice. Or go back and listen to one of our early podcast episodes when Point Break Dave was in the well and you could hear <laughs> you and me perfectly. And then Dave was like a mile away from the microphone. That's that's kind of how they mixed the sound in this movie. It also seemed like, speaking of that, did it seem like Travolta, Sam, as he is in the movie, that his accent kind of came in... Yes. At different points. Yes, because I, I there were times in the movie where I was just shaking my head at how bad that it came across, and there were other times in the movie I was like, "All right, I have, I, I've been around a lot of dirt tracks and a lot of dirt track people, and I'm related to several as well, and I could point out points in the movie I was like, I know people who talk exactly like that, like he is dead on." But then other parts in the movie was completely forced, yes. and he could not pull it off. So Sam is obviously upset with the blown engine, and there's some dialogue about Cam. 
no, no, I'm talking about Sam now. Cam, oh, okay. Cam's mad. He's in the car. But Sam, instead of like saying and helping load the car in the trailer, he just is like, well, I got to go to work. And I was like, please tell me he works at UPS. <laughs> <laughs> because th- this would immediately be my favorite movie ever. No, he made a uh, an even better career choice as he has a uh, tow truck company that he runs which will obviously uh take him to lots of fender benders and car accidents which we get a very inspiring flashback as he's waiting to tow a car away that's like run into a pole of uh he's thinking back and he's got a serious look on his face and this comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden it's him he's obviously younger at the time he's with a uh, lovely young lady they're driving down the highway at what appears to be a high speed looking lovingly at each other and he is not looking at the road whatsoever (laughs) he then like leans over and starts making out with her not advisable when you're driving no no and they're going at least 60 70 miles an hour so you see the vantage point like looking forward through their windshield and they're already tailgating this truck. And then all of a sudden the truck has to swerve out of the way because there's basically just something sitting in the road or a car just going really slow and they just hit it like it just point blank. And the whole story is, is that was his wife who died in the accident when in fact he basically murdered her. Yes. Yes. Because he couldn't keep his little cam or Sam under control while he's driving (laughs) and to to glenn's point he you know either started or continued with a career as a tow truck driver to relive that every day (laughs) of his life and you know what cam and his blown up car could use right now a tow truck (laughs) why does he just leave him he he, yeah throughout this whole movie his parenting skill his lack of parenting skills are on display so as the movie progresses now he's fishing with shania twain and i have to admit i'm not overly familiar with her work and then i I was thinking i was thinking was this a flashback scene to the woman that he killed in the car because they did look similar so it took me a minute to realize this was present day of course you know uh, she's a looker like uh this is a He's yeah. casting out a second time. It's, it's good catch. <laughs> and no and they're, as they're as they're hitting all the country cliches in the first minute, they're they're of course fishing, and uh, he's reminiscing about high school and mentions that he got uh, in trouble in high school for doing donuts in the parking lot. And Shania Twain had my favorite line in the movie, which is, "What are donuts?" <laughs> and so, then Travolta gets this kind of. You know, you can see the light bulb go off in his head like, all right, well, I'll go show her. And my first thought is, he's going to kill another woman. <laughs> Before we got to that, first off, in just we start the tradition of not really explaining who these people are. Like, they're just fishing and having a conversation. She, He's teaching her how to fish. And you get a little bit of idea that they've they have some sort of relationship because he kind of asks, like, you know, uh, why did you decide to move here? Because it seems like she's from the city and moved to the country because she's a, a teacher, but you get very little explanation. Yeah. And she asked, you know, tell me something about yourself. And I don't feel like I'm exaggerating that, 
like Tommy pointed out, he's going through and saying, well, I grew up here, you know, my, my family, they were all racers. That's what I did. Uh, you know, in high school, we did this, that, or the other, we did donuts. I got into a little trouble and like he, there's no transition whatsoever. And he's basically like, yeah. And then uh, I had an accident like two years ago and my wife was killed. Like he's just dropping this on her. Just, it's just an RKO. <laughs> Cause it's very obvious. Just like, you know, she's talking about how, you know, she moved. It's, there's a relationship there, but it's very new. Like they don't know much about each other. And then he just throws that in. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and ask this right now. Is there any point in the movie, Shania Twain's character, I think is named Becca, if I remember correctly, from just looking at the, the wiki page. Is there any point in the movie that anyone talks, refers to her by name in this entire thing? Ooh, I don't think so. I think didn't pick up No, I, d- I never found it if there was. Like, she's arguably the third most important character in this entire movie, and no one says her name in an hour and a half in any context whatsoever. <laughs> we cut to, so, we cut to, uh, or did you have something else for fishing? No, Dave? no, we can go. To so we cut thing. to Linsky's, uh, well, Cam, you know, he's driving up and Linsky's doing pretty well. He's got a Ford dealership. And looks looks like things are going pretty well for old Linsky there. He's got some money. He's got that Ford money behind him. He's he's the Rager Dykes of Talladega, Alabama. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he wants to uh, he wants to talk to Cam, but he doesn't want to just talk to him. He wants to talk to him man to man. He was very specific on that point. I don't know what that means exactly, but he was very specific on that point. What he's doing here is offering Cam a job to drive as part of his team. Now, on the surface, this seems great. Linsky's got money. He's got top-notch equipment. He's coming off a championship that he somehow won in the first race of the season. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of good things going here. Cam seems a little reluctant. He also lets Linsky know that racing ain't no hobby, it's a family tradition. Mm. Bold. So this is the point of the movie where I would like to point out Travolta's a bad dad. Because obviously the appeal to Cam is that, you know, he'll have top-notch equipment. You know, he is obviously a talented driver. This will push him over the edge. Travolta is sitting there. Cam's leading the race. He has it in the bag and his equipment fails him in his dad's car. And he can't even like, hey, you know what, son? You did great. I'm sorry. He just leaves. Like, (laughs) if I was Cam, like, I would have driven to Linsky's that night and been like, hey, let's make a deal. So Cam's (laughs) conflicted. He's been made this offer. We get to see a little bit of his home life. He lives in a trailer. I'm he does. A little surprised. He referred to it in the movie as a tin can, but it actually is a trailer, not an actual tin can. It's a trailer. And then, uh, I don't know, I assume they live in and around, or around Talladega, which I can't remember exactly where that's located. 
uh, within the state. It seems like his trailer, those were some very coastal winds that were blowing <laughs> the entire time yes. around their trailer, but I don't think he lives on the coast. Here's a classic Glenn <laughs> hung up on weather. That's sounds like, yeah. Important to the story. It sounds like Waco all over again. It bothered um, me that entire scene. Cam's, I didn't hear any of his bad acting. Cam's wife, I'm I'm there for I'm here for that. Yeah. Cam and Sam both Yeah. Those guys can sell. Let's yeah. Put it that way. And then he also discloses to his wife because she's she's equally concerned that he's even contemplating this offer from Linsky, but it not only comes with a race car to drive, but also a job working at Linsky's dealership. And that's where the big bucks roll in. <laughs> right. Cam So he's He's got to tell his dad. He's got to tell his dad. And this uh, this was another scene of no continuity. So they've they've done nothing to establish Linsky's villainy in the movie other than the fact that he won a race. Yeah. And that he was kind enough to offer the son of our hero a great job in a brand new race car, which I mean, what a terrible thing to do. <laughs> Cam gets to the point pretty quickly to let Sam know, and Sam just inexplicably like erupts in anger. This was in the trailer, by the way. <laughs> oh, it's ter- it's terrible acting where he knocks everything off Sweeps his table, sweeps everything off of his desk, stands yeah. up, and basically tells Cam if he goes to drive for Linsky, um, he's out of the family and he's fired immediately. Like he fires him on the spot, just because he's even considering driving for Linsky. Which is a bold move, because, I mean, where are you going to find a, another tow truck driver? Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's a pretty acquired skill. They just don't <laughs> have a lot of people walking around that could... I don't know what happened next in the movie, because my next note the, says, yes, Cam's wife is definitely hot. <laughs> no, the next thing is Travolta... <laughs> Travolta goes to Sam, sorry, goes to the bar to drown his sorrows. That's we finally right. meet we meet Stumpy. Stumpy is the best character in the movie <laughs> by far. Like he is the Usain Bolt in the race for best character in the movie. <laughs> I, I he it's I think it's actually good acting. His part was written kind of well, at least until we get to how he lost his leg. <laughs> But it's a good. That's the character I enjoyed. I was like, if he's in the scene, I'm I'm in. I actually enjoyed the bar scene. But I, would it, we agree that uh, Stumpy is the Eric Stegall of this operation? Without a doubt. <laughs> so the only thing that really happens in that scene is we meet Stumpy Travolta, who's now getting drunk, and I believe it was Jack Dunn who we we have interfacing with later in yes, the movie. Yes, he should be charged with attempted murder later <laughs> in the movie. He comes in and starts trolling uh, Sam, and Sam punches him. But the real great part of this scene is, so Travolta's, he's had way too many. Like, he can barely stand up. And we get the great scene of Stumpy taking him home. And I want to tell you guys, next time we're all together... And Glenn over in vibes. Maybe we get Baltimore level Glenn. I will drive him home. I will buy a rocking chair on the way and put it on your front porch and just leave you there. Oh, that's what Stumpy did. 
Why couldn't he, he put him in his own house? <laughs> he just left him on the porch in this rocking chair in the middle of the night and left. Stumpy took John Travolta dead weighting him the whole way on one leg and got him all the way to his porch and you guys are criticizing it. Listen, well, Sam had the keys to his own house. Yes. And he slept there the whole night. Of course, he's woken up in, in the that, morning. In that most special of ways. Shania. <laughs> and it becomes pretty clear at this point, Shania probably hasn't spent a lot of time at that house because she, he wakes up, but she kind of finds her way into the shop and starts poking around and stumbles into his massive trophy room. Like, what a waste of space that room is. He could have, he could have like built a home for Cam. In the amount of space he's got with all these trophies in here. And then yes. she stumbles upon the forbidden secret. There's a car in the back of the garage with a sheet over it. And I'm thinking again, okay, this is going to really, really be some exciting piece of the movie that's explained in great detail. As she starts to pull the cover over it, he comes in and snaps at her and, and uh, very touchy about it. Basically just says, don't touch that. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. So now they're back out at the track, and Sam's driving, because if, if you haven't heard yet, Cam's fired. And yeah. he's going to work for Linsky. And even though Linsky just won the title and the season's over, they're back at the track the next weekend. So don't, just don't get <laughs> don't caught up on any that. continuity here. Well, and no, uh, you know, uh, he has the car. His son has quit. I mean, it makes sense that he would get back, that he would drive again, but he's been retired for several years. Like, there's not a single scene of, should I go back? Or no. maybe Stumpy could talk him into driving again. No. Nope. Like, he's tell just him back that, out there making hot laps. Yeah, just yeah. out of nowhere, they're just out at the track. There's also no scene of, I mean, the last time we saw the car, it was blown up, stuck on the side of the track, and Cam's mad because he knows they don't have money because his dad spent it all on trying to go clear. And, <laughs> you know, he's the next thing. The car's fine. He's out there. He's out there competitive. No problems. He had money somewhere to put into it. So he's making he's making some hot laps. He pulls in the pit and tells Stumpy or he says, tells Stumpy the car's slow and the motor's garbage. And Cam pops out, told you so. <laughs> but then they uh, they go to the first actual race. Funny thing here is this reminded me of the movie. Have you got, are you familiar with the movie Hook? When Hook kidnaps Peter Pan's children and takes them back to Neverland. And he's letting little Jack play baseball. And he's like way overselling the dad stuff. Well, that's what Linsky's now doing with Cam for whatever reason. He's got his arm around him and he's giving him advice and just playing the father figure like the next weekend. And he's only doing this to get under Sam's skin, which I respect even more about Linsky. <laughs> so then they put up some exciting graphics on the screen and they say, hey, it's the first race. And they have the name of the, you know, whatever the event is. And now they've got an, a track announcer and they're, they're calling out that this is going to be the first heat race. And then people are going to the main. And now I'm getting excited. I'm like, okay, like all this other stuff, whatever. But now this is going to get good and they're going to work us through an entire season and they're going to tell us what race it is and what the points are. And I'm so excited. Well, they have the three heat races and of course, Cam wins, Linsky wins and Sam wins because Sam's driving a piece of crap car, but he's such a good driver. He just takes it right. TTF. It's to the front. 
<laughs> Racing Ricky taught me that. And they go, they go into the main. Sam's immediately running up front with his garbage car. He uh, goes around and takes the white and checkered flag waving together, which I think <laughs> indicates in this particular case that there's one lap to go. Um, well, and the announcers are, are definitely, you know, they build up the fact that he hasn't raced in a long time. And there were a lot of questions there. Yeah. And I was like, there's there's also no, this would have been a perfect time for him to just get out there and just kind of survive. Yeah, run at the but back. He, he, but, but he's able maybe in the future to turn on the magic, you know, after an early struggle. They're like, oh, the six years and, you know, he's old and he's rusty and we don't know his car broke. He just wins all the races, like yeah. without any just problems. Just drives whatsoever. it right to the front, beats the brand new equipment in his old piece of crap car that it, so it's really showing up his son because Cam couldn't win in this car. Sam takes it right to the front in the first race. Then after he wins, he doesn't have any time for Cam tries to come over and congratulate him. He won't even talk to him. He's just like complete a hole to his son after the race. Yeah. It's unbelievable. He gets to go on the trading paint radio show. This had so many ties back to Madhouse. It did. Like, this is but bad, sure. Brad. Sheriff Buck Taylor, your host. <laughs> there's a, there's a, quick, a quick other a scene in here that I wanted to talk about, and I think it happens before the radio show. Okay. Is when, because it was right at the end of that race, when he won't talk to his son, and he's like, did you get your tools yet? And the son says, no. He's like, you know, come by and get them or whatever. So they go over there. And Cam's in picking up his tools, so it's tense. Sam's outside, and Shania Twain comes up. And it seems like, like we said, she was not familiar with the garage. She seems very new. Their relationship seems very young. And he's out there, and she's like, do you want me to go talk to him? It's like, does Cam even know yeah. you? Like, <laughs> You just met her on FarmersOnly.com no last week. What are you doing? She can't yes. go in here and do and, parenting for you. And he's all like, would you do that? You're a great person. <laughs> you do that? You're a great person. Like, those, that's literally the script. <laughs> the uh, Trading right, Paint radio, radio show. show takes place, and Sam's holding court with, uh, what was his name, Buck something? Sheriff Buck Taylor. That guy... Definitely in Friday Night Lights, by the way. Okay. Cameo. They're uh, kind of split, split, switching back and forth, but the radio show is being listened to by a uh, young Cam who's at the dealership inexplicably working on a car with like seven other people. I, I don't know much about like if they've had Lean Six Sigma over <laughs> at Linsky Ford yet. But if you're changing the battery in a car, you don't need seven people to do that. I was wondering, I was trying to, they didn't really show much other than them all leaned over a hood. I was trying to figure out if it was the race car. No, they were working. They were at Linsky no. Ford in their little jumpsuits working for the for their <laughs> salaries. Yeah, he's, he's working. He's a mechanic at the dealership. I, I wondered, I was like, how much of a step up is this from... <laughs> doing the tow truck thing like i'm not trying to diminish either one i'm just saying like money wise was he like ah you know i'll pay you three percent more can't turn that down i mean i don't think that was a real they should have had him in the office or something or sales yeah 
Yeah, he could have been selling cars. Yeah. So a lady calls into the radio show and is just ripping Linsky, and it's so corny dialogue and just, you know, what a bad guy he is. Well, while this is going on, the all the guys in the dealership are kind of having a laugh at it, which, again... I feel like it's a pretty natural reaction. It's just funny because it's your boss and everybody's ripping them. It doesn't mean they believe it. Well, Linsky's wife kind of overhears it, and she gives Cam enough of a look that I thought, okay, this is great. They're gonna, she's gonna bang her, <laughs> and this is gonna get to be like an actually good movie. No, she just goes to get Linsky, who comes back in, doesn't say anything, just kind of saunters in with his dumb cowboy hat on and then just erupts in rage and breaks the radio and that's it that's the whole scene because it was the the caller on the radio show right yes it was it was bad yes. yeah it doesn't make any well, sense i mean even you know trading paint radio show knows you got to go to the phones oh yeah that's content right there it is so then we get back to the track again. So now they're they're promoting this as a huge race, and it's called the 450. But I don't know what 450 means because it sure ain't 450 miles. No. And it sure and ain't 450 laps. Maybe. Every race they said, <laughs> this is a huge race. Every single one in the movie. Maybe there was a guy who had well, drove the number 50 who, like, filled up a fuel tank like a barrel about a quarter of the way and then lit it on fire and tried to ride it <laughs> and it killed him. And this was just a race 450. Now that seems like something that would never happen. So in this race, Linsky At Travis Rylett on Twitter, ask him how his balls are doing. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers in this race. Linsky inexplicably is not in the a main which, again, I feel like is pretty flimsy storytelling because if the guy is the defending champion in the top equipment, he's not going to miss the A main. If they don't ever explain why he's not in it, so he's just standing there. Well, he kind of leans over to Cam and's like, hey, you know what would be really great is if you just go ahead and just take your dad out here. I'm assuming that's to help him in the points, but they never quite clarify that at this point. I think he just said that if he didn't do it, his dad was going to get too far ahead of him for him to be able to catch up. Yeah. Well, and if he's not making A mains, he needs to worry a little less about wrecking the guy that's first in points and get his own house in order. Yeah. He's just being worried about like being able to pay his pit pass and get a profit out of the night. If he's yeah. just making it to the B. He needs to worry about getting in that 50, 50 raffle. So, of course, Cam and Sam are battling at the lead, and you can tell, you know, Sam has or Cam has opportunities where he could just inexplicably turn into his dad and take them both out, and he opts not to. And, of course, Sam Sam takes the win, and he uh, Cam pulls into the pits, and Linsky's there. And I think at this point, again, they've never established any real conflict between Cam and Linsky other than he asked him to wreck his dad. So Cam gets out and is like, well, I guess I'm fired now. And Linsky has this odd reaction of like, no, everything's good. Don't worry about it. Just see you back at the sh at work on Monday. That's it. No real tension built up. Well, it's not exactly it. Well, no, but well, yeah. But that's, that's it for that conversation. But then right. another conversation takes place. Linsky goes and he finds Jack Dunn 
the guy that trolled Sam in the bar. And this, among everything else in this movie that doesn't really make sense, he asked Jack Dunn, next race, I want you to wreck Sam, John Travolta, and I want you to also wreck Cam, who's driving my car. (laughs) Doesn't the play seem to be... Cam, you're not driving anymore. You're fired. And then, Jack, you go wreck Travolta. Why tear up your own stuff? And, of course, these are, you know, super late model. I'm going to guess at a minimum you're in, like, 50 grand, 60 grand. Well, we know how much one costs later in this movie. Right. Cost $80,000 in one motorcycle. That's right. Nobody is going to, you could spin somebody out, okay? But nobody just being asked to, hey, I need you to wreck this guy, is going to ram their vehicle into somebody else's and like tear up the suspension and the axle and the front end and all that kind of stuff just to please the guy who owns the dealership because he promised him nothing. He just said, will you do it? He's like, yeah, I'll do it. The connection is that Travolta, Sam, had punched him out at the bar, and that's his revenge, but that that was that was months ago. Yes, that could have yeah. been years ago, for all we know. No, Jack Jack Dunn's not wrecking his stuff. Jack Dunn's going to the mailbox every day, hoping that stimulus check gets there in time. <laughs> he can't be playing around tearing stuff up. So before we get back to the track to find out if Jack Dunn's going to follow through with it, why wouldn't we be at the mid-season end-of-year awards banquet? Because <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Of course. And uh, in this instance, there's a little over-imbibing by Cam, not to be confused with Sam. They have a touching father-son moment in the restroom. Which I know we've all been there. I'm once at a ponchos, yeah. <laughs> but it does seem like that there, uh, there's kind of the acknowledgement that he does love his son and that their relationship is going to get back on the mend, even though it was never really explained why it fractured in the first place. But there's also yada, in, yada, that, yada. in that scene you find that, like everyone in this movie. Everything it hangs on racing, and because Cam's not winning, he believes his wife is f- losing faith in him because he's not winning races. Like all good racing wives do. So, so that's the back, other thing. Yes. So we get back to the track, and yes. now the the four fifty or whatever. No, the this is race. the next race. The four fifty is over. The next race. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, this is our big climactic, you know, mid movie. We're about two thirds of the way through. This is a this is the this is one of the big moments. So uh, Jack Dunn, does, he runs up and wrecks Cam, gets him turned around and sideways after laying back and waiting on him. So just clearly, it was a hit job, right? And then magically does it in a fashion where. Spins him out. He's in the middle middle of the track, and Sam, as if he was just driving down a two lane highway, is going full speed <laughs> and rams into his son. Car bursts into flames. Yes, my note says 
Cam got Ryan Newman to buy his dad. <laughs> and I, I guess if he hit it in the right spot and like ruptured a fuel tank or something, it would go up in flames that instantaneously. But I feel like that's pretty unlikely as well. Yeah. So then we so, have. Oh, go ahead, Dave, please. Oh, uh, we get. Sam, John Travolta, jumps out. You know, he's obviously very concerned. You know, he's helping. He's very concerned that they won't open the visor to his helmet. Because Because we all know you can't breathe if the visor's closed. (laughs) (laughs) Hundreds of NASCAR drivers have died (laughs) mid-race. I used to to drive race cars. I can tell you, you got to keep that visor cracked open. You have to poke holes in it, like when you put a dog in a box or something. <laughs> they, uh, he, he doesn't die on the track. They get him to the hospital. The next scene is uh, Sam, John Travolta, and Cam waiting with, or Cam's in the, he's out, but it's Sam and Cam's wife are sitting there waiting. She's obviously sad. Uh, John Travolta is sad because he's no longer batting a thousand on killing family members. <laughs> and the doctor comes out and says, Hey, both his legs are fractured, but he's going to be fine. And then you know we're going to get a comeback. S- yeah, Sam is she so. Asked, like the dumbest question of all time, which it should have been because he had multiple serious fractures to his legs and it should have been phrased like is he going to be able to walk again is this you know something the way she asked it was is it going to affect his walking and i was like (laughs) yeah both his legs are broken it's going to affect his walking but yeah now we get a comeback montage of of some kind and speaking of walking sam so overcome with emotion, goes back to walk the track that night, which apparently they just went ahead and finished the race and didn't clean up any of the accident debris, just left it on the track. Favorite part, favorite scene in the movie, they did the Owen Hart and they raced around the wreckage. (laughs) I could not believe they don't have the, they didn't have the foresight for the continuity that they wouldn't leave the debris on the track after the, I mean, after the wreck, they wouldn't race around it. They would obviously move it, and it's still sitting there. <laughs> so we do, yeah, we do get a bit of a montage. Sam finally gets up the courage to go visit Cam in the hospital. He brings him some racing magazines, because I'm sure that's exactly what he was wanting, because it's in their blood. And either that or walking magazines. <laughs> in this particular scene, when they're having their heart-to-heart about Sam offering Cam the chance to come back and drive for him. Did you notice that Cam was oddly sweaty during this scene? Like, he's just covered in sweat. And I'm like, I wonder if he's got, like, a staph infection. <laughs> and they haven't <laughs> realized it because it's the Talladega Hospital. He may, be, uh, he may be detoxing. Cam may have had a bit of a problem with narcotics. So. Yeah. He might Uh-oh. need a little something to get up for the race, as it yeah. were. Um, but Sam does offer Cam the option to come back and drive for him, and he promises him this time it won't be done half-ass. Dun, dun, dun. Here we go. But how are we going to get this? How are we going to buy this? You know super, what? It, you know what it takes. Car. You know what it takes to go fast. It's not cubic inches. It's cubic dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so and the cover. 
off the off the off the, off the white Mustang. Mint condition because it was only drove like ten miles Mustang. And much like in any episode of Scooby Doo, you watch with your kids and they unmask the villain, you're like, Yeah, the only other guy in the show. Who are you gonna sell this car to? <laughs> the one other main character in the show. <laughs> So the uh, the lineage on this car is, of course, it belonged to the woman that he murdered in the car accident, <laughs> and he uh, he does have to sell it to Linsky because he needs the money to go buy a car that Stumpy's turned him onto that might potentially be for sale. Yeah, but he goes. They do establish that Linsky had a prior interest in the vehicle. Yes. So Sam goes to his dealership and tells him that he's retiring after that wreck and then Linsky, I can't, I can't figure out whether the current season was over or not, because in some ways it feels like it is. And Sam has won the championship, but in the dialogue it's, Hey, I'm retiring. And Linsky's like, well, he's disappointed. Cause he's like, well, I'm going to win the championship now, but it's going to be because you retired. Right. And you, you quit racing, which would but seem to were- indicate it's in the middle of the season. Right, but then otherwise, everything else points to the season was already over. So yes. again, it doesn't doesn't really make give, sense. They give no. There's no discussion of what what the price on the car was. They just like said. you you still want the car, and he's like, yeah. He's like, I'll bring it, and it's like the whole like the culmination of this movie is you getting enough money to buy a nice car and then we're just going to leave out all the details surrounding that so he's ostensibly gotten the money for the car and he's going to go with stumpy to look at this car that's for sale but of course before that we've got to have the awkward scene where he just decides right then to just tell shania twain that he loves her with no reason rhyme or reason for it being there it's just kind of yeah. hanging hanging there in the middle of the movie for no reason. Then he's like, well, you don't have to say anything else. I'm going with Stumpy to look at a race car. See you later. That's like the uh, the brilliant screenwriters of this movie. Like, all right, so he says he loves her. How should... You know what? Let's just have him leave. Like, <laughs> we don't know what to say next. You know? Do you know why... He has to leave because he told her he loved her, but he doesn't know her name. <laughs> and he's like, the longer I hang around, that's going to become more and more obvious. They did a whole Seinfeld episode around this. So this Mulva. the scene where they look at the car is awesome because it actually is a really nice car. And they did a good job of casting this car because it's got all the top end parts. The old man that's selling it goes through it. His dialogue, for the most part, checks out. He wants eighty five thousand for it. Sam has eighty thousand. How are we going to make up this extra five k? What? Let's leave everything on the table at this point. Well, let's also. I mean, first credit to Stumpy, who know has all the connections. He knows where there's a guy that has this great car. He's trying to unload. Obviously, it was a bit of a journey because. When he's saying he loves her, he's like, I won't be back till tomorrow night. <laughs> We're going to drive out there. We're not even going to talk price with this guy. 
we're just going to show up with a <laughs> indeterminate amount of money and hope it's enough. <laughs> he has Stumpy has all the connections except for from his right knee to his right ankle. <laughs> that one's that one's not there. But he he apparently has a fully restored motorcycle engine that's worth exactly 5000 yes. he puts into the mix and they they make the deal and it, then i believe the next scene is at sam's shop and this is a very emotional scene with stumpy and sam and uh unnamed <laughs> sam's girlfriend where they they get into a story of stumpy's trying to tell explain to becca i think her's her name how good of a guy that sam is like you're really lucky that He's found you, you found him, you're together. Let me tell you about the the story where he saved my life. And so he basically just tells this story where they go fishing. They're at a fishing hole, which I have to assume is actually, well, no, I guess it could be like a pond or a tank. I guess this is is feasible. I don't know. (laughs) I had to Google it after the scene was over. But he's talking about going fishing and he's like, yeah, we we're there a couple hours. We hadn't caught anything. And we're like, the fish aren't biting. This is so weird. So I just went ahead and I waded out in the water a little ways. And I was up like, you know, to his waist or, you know, obviously past his legs. Um, and he's like, and then I figured out why the fish weren't biting. It was an alligator. <laughs> and he was, he was 10 feet. And Sam's like, he was eight feet. <laughs> Next time you're going to say it was 12. He was an eight footer. And he's like, yeah, he grabbed onto his leg and started to pull him under. And Sam ran over there and basically tug of roped Stumpy <laughs> and won. But Stumpy lost his leg. Yeah, put a tourniquet on him and took him to the hospital. Well, actually, he just yeah. left him on a rocking chair in front of the hospital. But <laughs> it's all the same thing. He got him. He got him to safety. Here's here's. There's a lot of problems, but here's one. I mean, we're 15 minutes from the end of this movie at this point. We're close. We're yeah. way far into this movie. Like, what's the point of all of this? Like, now they're trying to give Sam some character development. Like, why not? How about this? How about... Because I guess... You know, it's showing because he says when he gives Sam the motorcycle engine to get the car, he owes him a debt. How about we just say the car is $80,000? We never get into Stumpy owing him a debt, and then we don't need this story. <laughs> we just say, I don't even, yeah, just save 10 minutes of the movie. Did we know? Did they reference that Stumpy, that that was his name, and that he was missing part of his leg even before this? No. No, like, I didn't think so either. That's no. why. That's why I was so confused because I was listening to this story, and my, my only note is an alligator bit his leg off. Like, where so did this come are from? Are alligator attacks prevalent in Talladega? I googled are there alligators in Alabama, and I mean the answer technically is yes, but I didn't dig any deeper than that. But that is something that I googled today. And then Sam's also sitting there. He's like, you know, in his mind, he's thinking, yeah. And Ever since that day, we just call him Stumpy. I kind of wish this woman was missing a leg, <laughs> so she had an obvious nickname I could use. <laughs> the whole scene was him just trying to get Stumpy to introduce himself to Becca so she would have to reciprocate. He's like, you were supposed to tell the story and then say, hi, I'm Stumpy. 
You didn't do that, man. Oh, and while they're working on the car, Cam comes around. He's on a cane. He's looking fairly hobbled. And I'm going to equate some of what happens in the next 10 minutes to the uh, end of our movie review uh, of No Holds Barred, which is <laughs> Cam's recovery arc is quite suspect at this point in the movie. Because during the stumpy scene, Cam's barely mobile. Yes. Well, they uh, advance to the next race, which is called Champions Weekend. Because why wouldn't it already be the championship? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Cam went from not being able to walk a couple of days earlier to now driving the race car because any dirt track would medically clear somebody with two fractured legs to drive in a race. Obviously. And they also put that car together. It's completely untested. Yes. Uh, it looks nice, but completely untested. Well, we're going to, we're going to skip ahead to the end of this race because this is the part of the movie where if there was any credibility left, it's now lost it with me. So, Linsky spins out Cam with two laps left, and the car stalls. So he's pointed the wrong way on the track. The car stalled, but they haven't dropped the yellow flag. So the suspense that's building up is if Cam gets lapped, he'll be a lap down and have no chance to win. And I'm thinking to myself, well, wait a minute. He's dead backwards on the track with less than two laps to go. He doesn't have a chance to win. And they're saying, no, 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 if he can get turned around and get his car started before he gets lapped uh, by Linsky, he'll still be on the lead lap. Okay, I'll, I'll buy that. Well, he, sure enough, he gets the car fired and turned around right as they're coming around. Well, the way that this plays out is he's speeding around the track while they're under yellow. They inexplicably have yellow for one lap, which do they ever do that? No. <laughs> Okay. This would, there's zero percent chance this would ever happen, and th- this is, this is the ending to Days of Thunder. This is what Cole Trickle does to win at Daytona at the end of Days of Thunder. There's a caution. They're getting ready to start. He speeds out, and the whole deal is you're going to be at max speed when they drop the green flag, and you'll be it when they are starting, and you'll be able to weave through the field, which at least. That's feasible in NASCAR because if you come out of the pits late enough and they're coming around, they're not going to necessarily wait for you. So you, you may not have a great advantage, but that at least would be possible. Yeah, but when zero percent chance this would happen at a right because they would going to wait for him to come all the way around. Right, they would throw the cone with the chain attached to it out there. They'd have the guy with the whiteboard. He'd be pointing at everybody, telling them where to line up. It would take at least three attempts before everybody got the right. He'd be frantically pointing at one guy doing this, telling him they need to switch places. But instead, they inexplicably have one lap of caution with no attempt to set or line up the field correctly, giving Cam the opportunity to speed around the entire track, which, again, for the convenience of the last lap, is now about two and a half miles long. (laughs) Hit terminal velocity as the green flag drops. And then in one lap, which, by the way, was signified by the checkered flag being waved (laughs) to signal one to go, passes the entire field to win the championship. 
In a met, and just to clarify, the entire field is, I don't know, what do you think? 15 cars? Yeah, 15 to 20 cars. Enough. I yeah. mean, I, I guess, you know, maybe cars that's... on a quarter mile track, like, they are so jammed up. You, right. It's impossible. No, yeah. what, what just happened here, physics w- would defy physics. You would be lucky. He, he would be lucky to have passed five cars in those two laps. Yes. And he passed 15. Yeah. So to review the continuity, what has seemingly happened is Sam has come out of retirement, won every race of the season, Cam has been hospitalized. They've had the championship banquet. Then they've had another race. Then they've bought a new car. Sam has recovered from a catastrophic leg injury that would take any person over 12 to 18 months to recover from in less than a week. Got in a brand new car that's never been driven before. Inexplicably passed the entire field in the last lap and won the points championship in a season (laughs) that he never even registered a single victory. Do I have this right? Yes. That that sums it up. And then to add insult to injury, Travolta, Sam, is being extraordinarily rough with him in the winter circle, pushing him and picking him up. And I'm like, the guy has multiple fractures in both legs. What are you doing? And now we get really, uh, Dave, to your point next, but the next thing we got was some really awkward interview and celebration in the infield. But you go ahead, what you were going to say. No, I was just going to say, like, I mean, the whole thing is such bad storytelling, but it's just like, why couldn't they just have him and Linsky just in a great race, you know, Rubbin's racing, like, and he, he squeaks it out at the end in his right. new car. Like, why why does it have to be so tricky? Hey, you know what would be awesome? What if he passed the entire field in one lap? Like, Why? Like, I would have had, maybe they would have wrecked at the end, and Cam barely wins, and he's going around, and then Linsky's upset, and he gets out of his car and walks down the track, and he's pointing at him and getting real close, (laughs) and he gets a little too close. (laughs) And then the next thing you know, Cam's winning a NASCAR championship. And Sam's real proud of him. He's like, it's about time you killed someone with a car. (laughs) And then the movie fades to black, and there was no emotion at all in this movie. Like, you weren't excited. It didn't make sense. It ends. No. There, there was no buildup. The, they rushed through the last race. I mean, it lacked every bit of storytelling you'd expect in any kind of a sports movie. The, the only thing that was accurate at the end was the, they're doing the interview after he wins the race championship or whatever, and like the on-track announcer was really bad, which is, that's true to life. <laughs> Very accurate. But, but then, like, like his son is like, uh, Cam, he's like, uh, oh, I'm just really happy, and, you know, I just really owe a lot to, to, to my, my pops. And he's like, he's like, I love you. And, and Travolta's like, I love you, son. And he says it back again. He's like, I love you. And he goes, I love you, son. It was like, how many, how many times are we to, how many times are we doing this? You say it first. Like it was nothing. There's no emotion there. I was like, these two people don't love each other. Like they're collecting a check and they're headed back to the trailer right after this is over. So you guys watch the credits? I did, and there's a continuity issue with that. But what happened in the credits, Dave? No, I, w- I want to hear the continuity issue. I was just seeing because I left it running and 
There's scenes in the credits. They have a birthday party for the the kiddo that turns one. I didn't turn it on. I turned it off. I didn't know any of this. So this was in the movie review that I read. It said, you know, it's an hour and 27 minutes, but they had in parentheses, they're like eight minutes of that or the credits. So the movie's really like maybe an hour and 20 long. So in the credits, it just shows the progression of, uh, Cam and his wife, who's what her name is, we have no idea. <laughs> no idea. They're not in the tin can anymore. They live in a house. Uh, uh, Sam and Beck are together. I don't know if they're married, but they're together. Um, uh, Cam and uh, his wife, they have a child. They have a daughter. And the whole thing is there, it shows like credits and, who, and it'll go out of a scene and then back into one. There's no dialogue, There's just it's just showing them do stuff. Well, the continuity problem is uh, they show up and they have a daughter who's clearly not newborn because this is her first birthday party, but they have a huge It's a Girl sign in their house for a a one-year birthday party. Maybe that's when they decided. Maybe they were waiting to assign gender. When she decided. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I think it ends. It shows that they're happy. They're a great family. And then it ends with Sam. He's looking in the house and he's looking at a picture of it's him and his son. But it's when his son was obviously a lot younger. And he's basically just looking at a photo and kind of smiling. And that's it. And then it fades to black. And the other the other thing, Tommy, that you'll enjoy. So obviously in the main part of the movie. They never reference how old the baby is, but she has a baby in yeah. a few scenes. Yeah, there is a baby. We hear it there crying in one scene. So then in the credit scene, the baby's turning one, and it mentions that Cam has won 17 championships between the baby being born and turning <laughs> one. <laughs> I totally missed that. No, I'm just oh, thinking okay. that. <laughs> I would have believed it. I would have totally believed it. Wow. What a film. Oh, my so, gosh. Uh, for or against Trading Paint? I'm going to have to be against. I'm against Trading Paint, and I'm also putting you on probation from picking any more movies for a while. Uh, okay. That's on probation, because last week I thought it was discussed that we were doing <laughs> Suburban Commando, so I paid to watch that movie. <laughs> There's there's no chance that we're doing that because I th- knew that was a joke. I was not watching that. It's, we were not reviewing it's that worse movie. Worse than No Holds Barred. Yeah. Although it does have Christopher Lloyd, and I love Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. Well, for those loyal listeners to the show that have hung with us this long, there will not be an episode next week because I will be visiting Glenn in person, but not to record. It's true. Well, you never know what might happen. Yeah, you never know. Might break out the old mics. Two so, guys, one mic. In two weeks, we'll have uh, something else uh, for a movie yeah. review podcast. Yeah, and until the, until then, uh, if you have any hot-button political issues, just text Glenn. You might, you might be shocked to learn that you don't agree as much as you think you do. <laughs> it's dramatic. It's high dramatic. Why is it greased lightning? Greased lightning. Cut off.